Do you want to become a better songwriter? Well, we created a very simple 10-minute songwriter personality test, and it's going to help you better understand who you are as a writer, and it's going to help you in the writer's room when you're writing with other writers, because you're going to be able to identify what kind of writer they are, maybe even have them take the songwriter personality test. If you're curious and you want to take the songwriter personality test today, just visit songwriterpersonalitytest.com or go to the link on the writingworship.co website. This is the Brave Podcast, awakening dreams, purpose, and songs. Our mission is to empower Christian songwriters to craft heartfelt songs of worship. Well, I am super excited to have Karina Jane on the call with me today. Karina, all the way from California, welcome to the Brave Podcast. Yay! Hi, I'm so glad to be here. I am super excited too. When Chrissy and I were talking about who should we have on the podcast, I immediately said, oh, we've got to have Karina on here because I know she's she has so much, she has lived the life that our listeners are living maybe just a few steps ahead of people who are listening. And I just, as I've worked with you for the last six months in a coaching relationship, I've just seen the growth. And I think you have so much that you can teach and and share with us today. Well, thank you. I am still learning and growing, but I love to talk about how much growth I still have to do. So we get to learn together. Okay. (laughs) So tell me, you've been listening to the Brave podcast for a while, or maybe how did you kind of find this community? I'm just curious. What's the origin story? Yeah, it's, I was thinking about that as I was thinking about this podcast, this interview today. And yeah, I started listening to Chrissy's podcast in, I mean, right at the beginning, I like 2016, I think. And I was just hungry for the voice of female worship leaders. And there just wasn't there, was not, there wasn't anything that I could find speaking into that. And so I did like a deep dive into the podcast world and, uh, and I found Christy and Mary Beth talking about mammograms and muffins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that episode. <laughs> no, I don't think that was the first one. But I mean, just I'm bringing that one up because I love just how real they were about their life and the fact that they were navigating being a female worship leader with all of the realities that came with that. And um, it was just such a breath of fresh air for me. I mean, People Over Platform was one of my favorite episodes from from way back then. And I think that might've been one of the first ones that that drew me in. But yeah, so the, I, been listening, I was Chrissy Nordoff before. It was cool, man. I was listening <laughs> way back then. <laughs> well, uh, being her husband, she's always been cool to me. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. I was Chrissy. I was with Chrissy Nordoff before it was cool to be with Chrissy. Nordoff because yeah. she wasn't even a Nordoff anymore at, at that time. Yeah. But anyway, Karina, this is so fun. I'm glad that you had this experience and I'm really glad that you found this community. I've gotten to know you through writing worship. I remember you took the mentorship, the songwriting mentorship. That's how you began. And then who was your mentor? Amanda, right? Amanda Blankenship? No, no, Matt Crossan. Oh, Matt. Awesome. Wow. Awesome, Matt Crossan. Yeah. Awesome, Crossan. I like that. That's that's my I've never called him Austin Crossan, but I'm gonna call him that for now. <laughs> Let's get him a shirt. Let's, Let's give him, him a shirt. shirt. He needs his own shirt. 
You did. Yeah. And then you joined the membership and maybe it was in the membership or writing club that we got to know each other, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about your journey as a worship leader. You've been leading worship, probably a pioneer in the worship as a female worship leading, because still not as common as male worship leaders, right? Yeah, I don't know about pioneer. I mean, I think I just felt like on an island, maybe that's pioneering. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's too bad that it isn't, still isn't more. I think it's becoming more mainstream for, you know, there to be conversations surrounding like the unique struggles of women worship leaders. And I'm certainly finding more community. So I think it's becoming a bit more inclusive as a community of worship leaders. Maybe that's the word, but my journey is interesting. I I came up through churches that didn't really have worship leaders per se. We, it was a real conservative kind of fundamentalist sort of background. And we had, you know, a music director and we sat in pews and sang from the hymnal. And, and there wasn't a place really for female leadership in those churches at all, even though there were certainly gifted and qualified women just in that the church structure, there wasn't. So coming out, I went to Bible college and um, majored in music education and was going to become a music teacher, did become a music teacher, um, but always had a heart for music ministry. In those church cultures, really, it was hard to kind of see what that could look like other than marrying a pastor or marrying into a family that was in musical ministry. There just wasn't a lot of space for women to do that on their own, within their own right. So, through a whole series of events and really just the faithfulness of God to kind of liberate me really from that that culture, I moved into churches that were more contemporary and eventually ended up at the church where I'm at now, which I've been at for 16 years. And it's a wonderful, vibrant, life-giving church that affirms the gifting and callings of everybody. So when I came here, I found space to be able to lead from a musical place. And that was new for me. So kind of the first 10 years of being here was just about me finding my freedom really in worship. And, you know, I had all kinds of ideas wrapped up in what church music was supposed to be, kind of rules-based ideas from the preaching I had been sitting under for so many years. And it was a bit of an undoing of all of that, you know, just figuring out how to find my freedom of expression and worship and how to find my footing as a leader and what that looked like. And so, so that was like my first 10 years was figuring that out. And then the leadership here at our church sort of was going through some shifts and changes and kind of the landscape was changing in a way that allowed me to have some more kind of formal leadership roles and things. And so it was a really slow shift into kind of formal leadership. And now I'm on staff at our church and have been for a number of years and lead worship here under a worship pastor, uh, co-lead worship with him and do some other, I wear a lot of hats here at the church. So yeah, just along the way, I love how the Lord, just, I love the way he weaves the tapestry of our lives. It's my favorite thing, how as we're walking through the circumstances of our lives, like a forest, we can't really see, but God, God knows exactly which shifts and changes to make to bring you into exactly where he wants you to be. And so uh, when I look back, hindsight, it's 2020, they say, but... Uh, Hindsight is 2022 now. Yes, 2022, yeah. I just love, I, it just makes me so grateful for the way that God weaves our lives. One of the things that I've gotten to know about you is how much you are such a learner 
you're always a personal development. You're a growth person. You always looking to learn something. You're, you're humble about it. You never really feel like you're ever going to stop growing. And I love that. I love that you actually come into life and you approach your life with a sense of, I'm not going to have it all together. And I just always want to grow and learn. Where do you think you got that from? And why is that important Mm -hmm. to you? Oh, it's so important to me. My mom and dad are that way. My dad in particular is a lifelong learner. He really instilled in me this sense of just being a lifelong student of the world. Um, But my mom too. And I think some of it was just, you know, innate. My mom tells stories of me as a little girl, two or three years. I wouldn't stop asking questions. And, you know, I'd be on the back. I grew up in England. And so she rode her bike everywhere and I had a little seat on the back, you know. So she tells these stories from when I was two or three years old and she'd be cycling down the street and I'd say, mommy, why is that door blue? And she'd say, oh, well, I don't know, honey, because, you know, the people really like, but why is it like the color blue, mommy? You know, and so we just have these long. Would you talk with an accent like that? I did. I had an accent for a very long time. That is really weird. To think about that, because I only know you as a California girl, American California girl. But you, when did you move from England? How old were you? Well, I, I lived in England most of my life until I was 12 years old. We had a couple of stints, stints in. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I was born and raised in the UK. And then my mom married US military. And that's eventually what took us away from, um, from England. So I had lived in Germany briefly, lived in... North Dakota, lived in Wyoming. Mm-hmm. That's quite a change. Yeah. So been a lot of places. Kept moving west. Yes. Westward. Yeah. Westward ho. Anyway, so I... Uh, Go west, young woman. Uh, that's right. <laughs> so always been curious, but really my parents have instilled in me that sense of just always wanting to learn and grow. I really do think it's probably the most important quality that you can... Like for my own children, it's the thing that I want to instill in them. And when I was, I taught music at a high school for a while, and that was always one of the most important things to me. It wasn't that these kids would leave with a repertoire of so many pieces of classical music, but that they would leave with a desire to learn and pursue music, because I felt like that was the single most important thing that would catapult them into following their dreams eventually was just that desire to go and and find and learn. So, Yeah, yeah. One of the my favorite qualities about you because it it allows me as I've been, as you've allowed me to coach you through some things and work through some things, which I think I believe that we all need, everyone needs a coach, right? And I think you understand that yourself because you, you are so teachable and it's fun to work with somebody who's teachable. And I think in anything that we do, whether it be worship leading, songwriting, or just personal development in general, it's just such an important thing to be teachable. Tell me about, like you've taken on in the last, I would say two years, you've made a commitment to learn the art of two things that I've seen, songwriting and playing guitar. Tell me about your desire to write songs and where that was birthed and why that is important to you. Mm, that's a big question. I've always been a writer. I've always been somebody who processes through language. I just think, I heard a quote years ago that just stayed with me. I don't even know where I heard it, so I can't credit the person. But the quote is something like, finding the words to say important things is important work. 
And I just love that. Language has always mattered to me. I've always been a person that enjoys etymology of words and and the way we frame things. And so just processing everything, what I know about the world, about relationships and about the Lord, my relationship with him, the way that we say that and the way that we frame that from a language perspective just has always mattered to me. So whether that was writing, I would never call it journaling. I was a terrible, I am a terrible journaler, like in the traditional sense of dear diary, you know? Um, Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I'm not great at it, but I do process with words. So whether that was just writing a, I don't know, a poem or just like an essay or something that would help me out process. And then slowly that turned into here and there songs. So I had this collection of things that felt like songs to me. Being a musical person, it made sense to try to put them to music, but I never was able to really kind of see that as, I don't know, let me see how to say it. So I guess I was compartmentalizing. I guess there was like the music part of me that was performing or teaching music or learning music. And then there was the emotional processing part of me. And I never really put them together. And then just somewhere along the way in this journey of finding freedom through worship and having some level of influence over others, I think the Lord just started to kind of pull those threads together for me. And I started to see songs emerge within my heart and then had a desire to like... So you had not written many songs before then? Well, I had written songs. I had written a handful of songs, but I wouldn't ever have called myself a songwriter. They were just things that I held. I had never really performed anything that I had written. I wouldn't have ever told anybody I was a songwriter. It was just sort of my private little thing that I had. So um, I think I had recorded like a demo or two of some songs, but they didn't, I didn't do anything with them. They were just mine. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, right. Okay. So here's, so here's the journey for me in 2019 pre-COVID. I started, I guess, asking the Lord, do you ever do the thing where you ask God for a word, an intention word for the year? Yep. Yeah. So I, mm-hmm. um, it's a very dangerous thing. It, oh, let me tell you, let me tell you about that. So I asked the Lord, <laughs> I hadn't really done that. I had started to kind of set goals, maybe 2017, 2018, I was in a goal setting frame of mind and had been started to become intentional about writing things down for the next year and just sort of setting intention. And I heard somebody talk about setting a word and I thought, oh, that's kind of a cool idea. I love big ideas that might really help me to frame. Anyway, so I asked the Lord in 2019, would you give me a word for 2020? I would like to, you know, and I prayed about it for a little while and it was about like November time, I think, that I started feeling an impression of this word that God was giving me. And I was like, no, that can't be the word. (laughs) Come on, Lord. You know, I had this conversation with God like that. You can't be serious. So I had asked the Lord for a word and he, this overwhelming sense of the word unknown. And I'm like, Ah, I don't think Ah, so venture into the unknown, uncomfortable zone. Unknown. And I'm like, that's a dumb word, Jesus. That's a dumb word. (laughs) Don't ever tell Jesus it's a dumb Uh, word. Well, that was my heart. I was like, that I can't, I can't get behind that. So I just was like, okay, God, let's let's talk about this a little bit more. I I don't really anyway. So about that time, I took my kids to see Frozen 2. It was in the theaters. Do you remember this? I think it came out in November of that year. And I'm sitting there minding my own business watching this movie. And then all of a sudden, you can know what I'm talking about. Into the unknown comes. And I'm like, oh, Uh-oh. okay, Lord. Anyway, so 
that became my word for 2020. And uh, wow, yeah, who would have known uh, how? Who would have known how unknown <laughs> that 2020 was going to become? I mean, just all kinds of things. So. Yeah. So that's how I went in. That was the intention I went into 2020 with was just trying to have an open heart for whatever was, was going to come. And boy, did the Lord really double down on that. And, um, right. so I think it was maybe around May of that year. And now we're in COVID lockdown and, um, things are really starting to feel unsettled. I started to experience just some unsettledness within myself and, feeling kind of a darkness. Winston Churchill calls it the black dogs, you know, that were kind of chasing. I was starting to kind of feel that and felt the Lord just asking me to lean in and to try to grow in that space. So I really had kind of a sense of urgency. So about this time, I saw somewhere on social media an advertisement for a Girls With Guitars challenge. And uh, by the way, I had, had listed out my goals for 2020 and learning to play the guitar has been one of those things that has eluded me for years. You know, like I said, I was a music major, played the piano, played a couple other instruments, but just for some reason, guitar had been the thing that had eluded me. And as a female worship leader, it's really a great skill to have, to be able to, you can't carry a grand piano on your back, but you can take a guitar with you. So it was just a thing that had eluded me that I wanted to, to do. So I saw this advertisement for something called the Girls with Guitars 30 Day Challenge. And I was like, 30 Day Challenge? That's right up my alley. Get in, get out, learn to play. Um, Good old challenge, right? Yep. That's right. So praise God for Krista Francis. I know you know her. Wonderful heart for empowering female worship leaders. And anyway, I jumped in to her challenge and it was a month long. That was in July of 2020. And what had happened was she was inviting once a week people to come on. Uh, you know, we had every day we had a lesson for 30 days during the, so every morning there was a Zoom call. And then on, I think it was on Fridays, she would have somebody, a speaker, a guest come on and chat with us. And so one week she had Chrissy come on. And yeah, so this was kind of one of those things where the Lord just pulled those threads in tightly and neatly for me, because like I said, I had been listening to Chrissy, but had never made kind of all the connections that needed to happen to jump into the writing worship community. So when she came and spoke at our Girls With Guitars Challenge, she spoke about the writing worship community. And I put the light bulb went off and I put the connections together. And so coming out of that challenge, I jumped over into the writing worship in September of that year. So that's really kind of how that happened. And did I answer your question? <laughs> you did. You did. No, I was just, I think that's important to kind of let people know the stories. So since then, I mean, you have, you released music 10 years ago, right? Like it's been a long time originally as a under a, like just on CD, an actual CD you had when you were younger and you had, you had told me that you laid that down at one point for a long time. And tell me a little bit about the yearning in your heart to share music in that way as an artist and in the craft of songwriting, not just songwriting, but but seeing people be impacted by the songs that you were singing. Yeah. Well, you know, I always had a dream to be a music performer. I mean, from just the time that I was a little girl, I was always singing, always performing, was in choirs in school. And, and it was just always, a. I knew that I was going to do music. I always wanted to be a musician, teach music, be about music. And then 
when I was teaching music at the high school, uh, we did a CD project that was partly to kind of benefit submissions and to learn like the ins and outs of production and how that worked. And it was sort of related to what I was doing there at the school, but, but it was also kind of an outlet for me to be able to, to put some music out. But I think the Lord just, well, it's a complicated story, but yes, I, he asked me to lay that down. There was a, a definite moment where God, I just needed to surrender that ambition. I think I had gotten caught up in what it meant to be a performer in all of the commercial sense of that. And, and I think my, my dream about being a performer was about me at that time and about what it meant for me. And, you know, I didn't have all of the experiences that I would walk through in the next decade of finding my freedom in worship and finding how that could really unlock things in other people's hearts. At that time, I didn't have any of that in my tool belt. So I would have been walking onto platforms with just my ambition and talent. And I didn't know it then, but the Lord knew it then. And so I needed to lay that down. And um, that was a long process for me of giving, because it feels like the death of a dream when God asks you to lay things down like that. And so for me, I mean, I think I fought with the Lord about it for a long time and I would lay it down and then pick it back up when there was an opportunity. And I don't know that every opportunity that I took in those years to perform, you know, I sing with a band locally and none of those were sinful. I wasn't going into clubs and doing anything sinful, but just taking opportunities. It was a struggle each time for me to go back to the altar and pick up that ambition and hold it, you know, like I picture Gollum from Lord of the, like my precious, you know, my precious little dream. And that's just a process of learning to die to that daily. And then at some point, the Lord just gives you kind of a, a picture of like, what it could look like in his hands, what this dream could be in his hands and how it's the same dream, but it looks so different. And that's what I feel like God has done through this journey of, of coming into the writing worship community and, and working through some of this in our coaching sessions, you and I, and just out processing all of that, what God has done and how he's taken that dream and really redeemed it. So yeah, he's, he's given it back to me, but in a new way. So I think coming into the writing worship challenge and then the membership and, and finding co-writers and gosh, it just feels like a whole new life really. And truly the community, it's just like jumping in the deep end of community and it's, you know, wonderful. The water's warm, but it's just a whole new world. And I think I felt like, wow, okay, God, this is what it's meant to look like. I'm just going to write songs. That whole dream of um, being a performer. I gave that to you. I'm good now. I'm good. God, we're good. I'm just going to write music and you're going to do something different. And then you and I met, I think, and you asked me about performing. I think you heard one of my demos and you asked me who was singing it. And, hey, have you ever, what about releasing your own music? And I think I said, like, no, that's a dream that I laid down a long time ago. But slowly but surely, God was like, no, I didn't mean for you to never do it. I just meant for it to look a different way. So I just shifted shifted into a, a better vision of what that dream could look like in the hands of a God who gets me and gives me and shapes my desires. And, you know, he's just not looking to, uh, he just loves me so well. I love the way he loves me and he, he wants a better vision for me. And so I think that's the thing that I'm seeing now is, yeah, 
Hindsight is twenty twenty two. A better vision, right, for what God has for me. So I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's great. And as we're just starting 2022, what what do you feel like the Lord is saying to you now for this year? Have you asked him for the word and have has he given you one? Yeah, um, just this week, actually. I've been praying this whole month. And so my word for this year is simplify. Ah. Simplify. And I think I have a tendency to complicate things. And I feel like the Lord is just asking me, to just do the next thing in front of me, do the next right thing, simplify, don't overcomplicate. Don't try to see everything all at once. Just right here, what's in your hand right now. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of my intention for right now. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. And knowing, knowing you and having worked with you for so long, that just resonates with me on exactly everything that we've talked about. And it's, it's such a common thing is we tend to overcomplicate and overthink and overplan our lives. Whereas God does want us just to take one next step, the next right step. And even if it's not the right step, it's whatever step you believe to be right. And if it's not right, it's okay. You just, if, if it's only one step, it's not like you're stepping over a cliff. You're never going to be stepping over a cliff. You're always just going to be taking that next step. It could be up, it could be down, you could trip, you could fall, but you'll always get back up. It's just one step, right? So I love that. I love that. How do you think that the Lord, well, before we go into the future a little bit more or what that next step is for you, tell me about some of the steps that you did take. Let's look back on 2020 and 2021. What was, other than the, the writing worship and the writing club membership and the good girls with the guitars, what were some of the things that you can look back on and say, see how God was faithful to you and some of the experiences you've had related to your music and your songs? Because you released new music this year in 2021. You released new music. And that was a big step for you to take. But what's that journey been like just moving into releasing music now and doing it in the way when there's really no CDs anymore. No one's really manufacturing CDs. So how has that been for you? And what are some, what are some things you've learned? Uh, well, so my word for 2021, which we kind of skipped over, we did 2020 was unknown. And my word for 2021 was obedience, which I also fought with the Lord about. <laughs> and so, yeah, 2021 for me was all about just doing what I know God is asking me to do. And so that meant disciplines. That meant creating routines where I'm not a routine person. I don't love the ordinary by nature. I don't, I don't love the mundane by nature. And so finding the sacred in the mundane and the beauty in discipline for me was a lot about what 2021 was about. Just as I learned how to co-write and how to move music forward, I took a lot of classes, as you said. So I not only did I do the writing worship mentorship, I joined the membership. I took the song administration course with Holly Salazar. I took the mentorship with, I forget what it's called now, the streaming course with Dave Taylor. I think I took everything that was available through Teachable. <laughs> I, I you think, did sign up for the three for one package, I, I think, I did. Uh, at one point. Yeah, yeah. I don't think mm-hmm. I'm all the way through the, the musician's course yet, but I'm part, yeah. So I, I took as many things as I could. And part of that was just so that I would have the tools to do the grind. A lot of it is, and I don't say grind in, a, in the sense of like it's miserable, although there were days where it, sometimes it felt miserable, but 
It was just doing the things that need to be done. And so being in California, a lot of my co-writers were on the East Coast or even in other countries. And so for me, being a, a mom and obviously homeschooling through COVID, which I was a homeschooler before COVID, that's another story. But anyway, a lot of the time it meant getting up at 6 a.m. for a co-write that worked for my co-writers. So that's not always fun to do. That's not glamorous to be on a Zoom call at six in the morning, but it was about being obedient to steward what God has given me. And so I felt like if if I had these people who were willing to spend their time and energy and spiritual bandwidth to be on a call with me at six in the morning, I could set my alarm for 5 a.m. and get up and do that. So it was a lot about discipline for me and just consistently doing the things that I knew I needed to do. And it's amazing how lucky you get when you work hard. <laughs> it is. You know, it's right? amazing. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just in awe of the fact that I have, gosh, is it three? Well, really three, two songs that I released personally in the latter half of the year that from the time, I mean, I think you and I started meeting in maybe May, April or May, something like that. And um, I mean, just how quickly that progressed from, oh, maybe this is a, a dream that God wants to give back to me to now I have songs that are streaming on on these digital streaming platforms. It's unreal how quickly God can do, do an amazing thing. You know, like you feel like you're, here's the thing. I think there's probably somebody feeling like I was feeling, which is just decades of waiting and wondering and I felt like I was perpetually in a waiting room for God to show me what he was doing. And when when I finally just said to the Lord, what do you want me to do? And he was like, well, just the next thing that I'm asking you to do. And I said yes to that and just was obedient and willing to be obedient to that. It's amazing how quickly things change. I'm joking about it being luck, but tongue in cheek, when you work hard, you get lucky. So You do. You do. I don't even call it luck. I, I call it obedience. Obedience is success. And obedience is, I think, the kingdom, the greatest. Obedience and surrender are probably the two greatest, what am I trying to say, like vehicles of towards success in the kingdom, in kingdom success uh, to me. And it's because it goes against our own will and our own flesh. It it puts Jesus on the throne and lets God be our CEO or whatever you want to call him. But he is in charge and you are surrendered. Well, and it's such a beautiful symbiotic thing. You know, I think so many Christians, certainly people that I have you know known, have this idea that God's going to just drop a blessing. Like we talk about favor and we talk about God dropping blessings. And certainly he can do that and he does that. But most of the blessings in my life that I have realized or seen are a direct result of the partnership with God, like the communion with God. I think God delights in that relational communion of, not that he needs us to partner with him, but he delights in it. He wants us to have that symbiotic relationship. So when we, you know, and it's just kind of a nuanced thing, it's like, First we, and then God. It isn't so much this formula. It's just that God delights in communion. And so when we do it with him, when we are obedient, he is pleased with the relationship that happens out of that. And so his blessing flows through obedience. You know, there's a scripture that says obedience is better than sacrifice. And I'm finding that to be a hard truth 
that is really beautiful when you look back on it. So yeah, so for me, it's just been about obedience. (laughs) Yeah. Tell me, I want to cover two areas. It's not without difficulties that you've run into. And I love how you tangibly dealt with them. We handled them in a realistic way. I think you handled them in a realistic way. I think the number one difficulty or challenge you had was fundraising, right? So the first thing we t- you saw the vision God gave you, you said, I'm going to be obedient and takes financial resources to record music. Realistically, it's going to cost about $2,000 to $2,500 to release and market, get the word out about your music and your songs per song. And so what did you do when you encountered this reality that you felt the Lord leading you to release music, record and release music? How did you handle that? What were some of the practical things you did as you moved into that new unknown obedience? Yeah. Well, the first thing, obviously, is to just look at our own budget, my own family budget, and say, okay, where, where is there funds? Where can we find funds? What can I do to find, make, create this money that needs to be there. So part of it was was me taking other contracts, taking jobs, taking things where I could earn extra money that would go towards that. But beyond that, I knew that it was going to take partnering with others. And this is really the most uncomfortable piece of the obedience for me is asking people to come alongside me financially. It's I mean, I don't think anybody enjoys asking others to fund something that you're doing. And it's such it's such a tricky place, I think, when you are a ministry-minded artist who it can feel like you're asking people to fund a hobby, which feels really self-serving and, and maybe even disingenuous. And for me, it was a lot about getting my perspective straight. And I know that you you really help with that. And even just those, some in the community who have gone before me, who are releasing music were, were really helpful in kind of framing the perspective of, I've never heard the term musicianary before. And I think you, you helped, I don't know if you coined that or if that's a thing that's out there in Nashville, if that's a thing that people talk about more. But that for me, hearing that term kind of helped me to see what I was doing in a way that gave me mm, some footing maybe. So like as a platform to be able to say, here's this ministry that God has given me, but you all are my partners in ministry. And so going to people with that in mind. Yeah. So I had to just send an email. I had to gather my contacts, practically speaking, and say, who do I know? Who loves me? Who cares about what I do? Who has supported my music? Who's spoken into it? Who's told me that it's blessed them and literally just made a spreadsheet of all those names and sent a really painfully (laughs) written email saying, would you help me? That was hard. Well, and I think initially we did it in a way where you asked permission first to see if people would be willing to partner with you. It's not like you spammed people. It was just an initial, hey, this is what I feel the Lord leading me to do. If you'd like to partner with me, come join me. And if not, then that's totally fine. But it was, it's been, what has that felt like on the other side of that fear? What did that feel like seeing the results, seeing things come together? Yeah. Wow. Humbling. Humbling is the first word that comes to mind. Just, yeah, humbling that people, you know, that people do want to give to, that people do want to help 
me personally, I'm not just, they need to catch the vision too. And I think a lot of them did, but just the love that people had for me and what God is doing through me. And they would be willing to put their money where their mouth is really and truly is humbling. It's really humbling, but it's also, it's also motivating. And it really comes with like just a gravity, a brevity of responsibility. And um, I think it does a lot to, to kind of solidify the weight of what God is doing and how he wants to use. Like when you're responsible for carrying people's finances with you, I mean, really and truly, when somebody's giving you money and say, go and do what God has called you to do, there's such a responsibility and accountability that comes with that that I'm grateful for because it really makes you part of a team and it really makes you, yeah, just part of a part of a community and you don't feel, you don't feel like you're alone doing it. So that's important. That is so important. You're not feeling like you're in this alone. We're never meant to be alone. As a matter of fact, you did something that I think was so wise. And again, it was part of your obedience for 2021. We decided together that it was a good idea to gather in a group zoom call, some of your top supporter, not even supporters, but supporters financially, yes, maybe, but also supporters that were spiritual supporters, mentors, people who could, that you would want to speak into your ministry and your music going forward. And what was that like to gather everyone together? Again, probably humbling, but what were some of the things that you learned speaking very, if you could be vulnerable here, as vulnerable as you'd like to be, but what were some of the things that you you took your takeaways <laughs> from that call. I know mine, but I want to know yours. Yeah. yeah, that was a great experience. Like you said, it was just a group of cheerleaders. And some of them were people who had committed already financially. Others were just people. And it was a wide mix of people that have known me, some for 30 plus years, some just through my ministry here at this church, but all people who have been cheerleaders to me in some way and all different ages, And so we gathered them on this call and um, gave them an opportunity. Thank you for facilitating that so wonderfully. I think you asked such great questions. And so what came from that? uh, Well, a couple of things. One big takeaway was that people want to see, people want to see and hear from me. I think it, it can be really easy to feel oddly, like you're, you're bugging people, (laughs) you know, here you are as a performer and like not wanting to put content out because I don't know, there's just so (laughs) many weird, there's so many weird things that happen in the psyche of a performer. Anybody that, that is one will understand that as a creative, it's just this weird push and pull of wanting to put yourself out there, but then feeling insecure about what you're putting out. Anyway, And also, I think it's a wrestle, it's an added layer or dimension when you add the spiritual component, because scripturally, you read scriptures like don't promote yourself, or basically that say don't promote yourself. And yet it feels like you need to promote yourself in order to get seen. So it's that battle, right? Between those things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's really, it's a tightrope for sure to walk. Yeah. But the encouraging thing was hearing, no, they do want to see your face. They do want to hear your voice and the things that you're saying, the things that you're putting out, you know, God is using that. And when, when you're reminded of that, you know, that's motivating, that's encouraging to want to put. So, so I left with some actionables that are uncomfortable for me, which is a great place to be, which is put out more content and 
I think I mentioned at the beginning of this call that I process with words. And so I was doing really well with sending these long newsletters that tell the story and regale people with uh, <laughs> 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 with all of the ways. Anyway, long story short, they didn't want that. They basically said, you know, God bless you, say less. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> yeah. What do they call that in the South? They say, uh, yeah, bless your heart. Bless your heart. Yeah. God bless, say less. That's my new motto. So basically they just want to get to the, they want to get to the content. And so I have my new call to action, which is to, again, the discipline of, okay, what does that look like practically for me? That looks like setting aside a three hour time block on my calendar to create and edit content. Because it doesn't create itself. And it's not just something I can do while I'm in the car. It can't be an aside. It needs to be intentional and thoughtful with those people and their journey and their hearts in mind. And that's that's what I owe to them who are partnering with me. And so, again, it's something that I'm going to have to be disciplined about. I'm excited about the growth that's going to come from it. I'm not excited about the discipline of it. <laughs> but but it was it was eye-opening. Yeah, it's hard for a creative to think about discipline. But I think you're one of those people, I think you have the maturity now and you have the experience now and you have the wisdom now to be able to, there's a lot that you can say and talk about and give to the world that is valuable. It may not be for everyone and there's going to be, I'm saying this to every creative person, there's going to be people who will tune you out. But those are not the people that want to know more about you. So don't think about the 5% of people who are going to tune you out. Think about the 95% of the people who do care about what you want to hear. 95% of the people do want it. And the 5% are going to, there's always going to be those 5, 10% that are just going to say, oh, you know, that's great, but I'm not that interested in this. And they will, they will move along and, and that's fine. But don't deny those people, the majority of people who want to hear this valuable message that you have to give, which is hope in Christ. And we all need to hear it on a daily basis. And why not have it be shared from, from someone who has lived the life and lives the experience and can really add a lot of value to someone's life than even someone who's really just in it for themselves. You know that you're not in it for yourself. You're in it because you want to give, you have a heart for generosity and to share with the world and sh not just the world, but with your specific world of people who are uh, wanting to hear from you. So anyway, that's my little soapbox moment where I stand on my coach's soapbox. But yeah, I mean, I believe in you and I think that uh, people need to hear more from Karina Jane. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, I think you're right. And so much of it is just keeping keeping the focus, not losing focus. Like you were saying, it, it isn't about, not everybody's going to know and understand my heart like the Lord does. We all have our opinions about people and our perceptions of people, but keeping the focus on what God has called me to do. You know, one of the marking verses of my life, and it's interesting, I don't know if you have life verses or verses that you carried with you through your life, but they resonate with me in a, in a season of my life. And then as my life changes and ebbs and flows, it becomes has takes on such a new meaning and the scripture is so alive and powerful to do that. But, but I have two that are really marking verses for me. And I just was thinking of one as you were talking and, and one of them is Acts 20, 24. We're hearing about the Apostle Paul and the things you, you read just prior to this of all the logistical things that he's doing in his ministry. And he's, you see him, you know, there's a storm and he's having to go charter a ship 
and redirect his travel plans and government. He can't go there because the government is against him in that place. So he's going to have to go over here. And you just get a sense for like all of the logistical challenges that are happening. And, you know, and then there's the shipwrecks and the beatings and the prison and all the big things that we know about his journey. But you really kind of see in Acts, you see some of that, the logistical day-to-day stuff that's happening. And it's coming right on the heels of that when he says, verse 24 says, but none of these things move me. Neither do I count my life dear to myself that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. And so he's like framing all of these things that are happening. Like, hey, I'm, I'm having to do the daily grind. Like things are happening. Not everybody loves me. I got to shift my plans here and my schedule changed there. I'm, I'm in prison. I'm, you know, all of these things, but none of, none of this moves me. Because I want to finish my course with joy. And then I love the phrase, and this is where I've been living with this verse this year, and the ministry I have received from the Lord Jesus. It isn't something that he just, it wasn't just something he decided to do. It isn't something, a platform somebody else gave him. He recognized that the ministry he had was from God. And so when he was keeping, it was like he was putting that back at the forefront. That's why none of these things move me. And I'm going to finish with joy because this came from God and nobody else can take it. Nobody else gave it, so nobody else can take it. So for me, just like you said, I'm responsible for the sphere of influence that God has given me. And um, so just keeping my eyes focused on that, I think, is the thing that gets me up for those 6 a.m. co-writes every day. Not every day. I'm not doing that every day. (laughs) But, you know. Yeah. No, Karina, That's this is a great place to wrap up our conversation because that is, if I can remember that verse, Acts 20, 24, and then you give it context, the context where that scripture comes from and, and all that's going around. I mean, we can relate in some ways. I mean, he seems to have been doing even bigger things than us, but even in our small level of stress and burden, we can put ourselves right there and we can say the same thing. We will not be moved. None of those things move me, move us because I am headed towards the things that God has given me and no one can take it away. I love that, Karina, that you're living that life. I just want to encourage you. You are living it. You are living it. And I'm excited for what God is going to do. I know you have plans to maybe release five or six more songs this year, maybe seven even in 2022. So I'm super excited. Can we like have a, an annual check-in to see how things are going here on the Brave Podcast? I would love that. That would be fantastic. And I just want to take a second while I'm still here with you to just thank you personally for, I mean, you said already outright that you believe in me and I have felt that. I have felt your belief in me. I'm just grateful for the championing spirit that you have that God has gifted you with to speak into others and speak into me personally. And also, I know Chrissy's not here right now with us, but I just want to thank her for her obedience because really that just was a domino effect that I know 15, 20 years ago, she wasn't necessarily thinking about me in 2021, 2022, but the Lord was thinking about me when she said yes to exactly the kinds of things that I'm saying yes to, the doing the next thing and being obedient when she didn't always see the picture of what it was going to look like and the dream looked different. So thank you, Chrissy. Thank you. I'm just grateful, so grateful for you both and and for what you're doing. So thanks for having me today. You're welcome. It's so rewarding. I'll tell you 15 years from now, 
you might be hearing the same thing from many, many others as well. And it's the greatest gift. It really is. It's such a gift to be able to to do this, what we get to do. So it's an honor to work with you and to see the way God is working in you and through you. And I wish you nothing but more and more success and simplicity for 2022. (laughs) Thanks, Karina. Thank you so much. Thank you, Eric. You bet. To get connected to our community of female songwriters and creatives, visit braveworship.com. And if you'd like some more information about our resources for Christian songwriters, visit writingworship.co. The times I've grown most as a songwriter are the times I've had mentors showing me the way. If you're looking to grow as a songwriter, we're now accepting applications for our Worship Songwriter Mentorship. Now, it's available only a few times each year. The Worship Songwriter Mentorship is a songwriting intensive that will help you craft impactful worship songs. It's a course created by Dove Award-winning and Grammy-nominated, drumroll here please, (laughs) our founder, pro songwriter Chrissy Nordoff. It's a small group community, and it's led by other songwriters over the course of nine weeks. It's an intensive course and a small group co-writing environment, and that means you'll be added to a special group of about 12 writers, give or take. Each group is led by experienced songwriters, some of them my dear, dear friends, and I've even gotten to lead a group or two. Rachel here, by the way. We love the church, and we love to champion fellow worship songwriters just like yourself. In this mentorship, you'll learn how to write songs for you and your congregation. You'll go deeper in your intimacy with Jesus. You'll get the tools needed to help craft songs more easily and never run out of creative ideas. Okay, I know it sounds too good to be true, but trust me, this course is a game changer. You'll learn how to leverage your unique songwriting personality and connect with other like-minded writers in a meaningful way. Truly, I can't think of another course, group of people, community that has impacted my songwriting the way that this mentorship has. If you're wanting to take the next steps in your songwriting journey, then apply now at the link in our show notes. We hope to see you there.